0: This week on the TBI podcast, Stuart Clark reports back from the Intv conference in Jerusalem, where Jeff Zucker lashed out at Donald Trump. We reveal the top five news stories of the past two weeks, and is it really that time already? We look ahead to MIPtv in Cannes. Hello, TV world. As always, I'm Jesse Wittek, and I'm alongside Stuart Clark. To take you through the big talking points of the last few weeks in the latest TBI podcast. Uh, this is easily one of the busiest weeks of our year, Stuart. We've been feverishly beavering away to get all our MIP TV content ready. Uh, a couple of weeks out now,
1: and uh, things are starting to get quite real. Yeah, you, I, I definitely would second and third and fourth. That it's, it's a pretty crazy few weeks for us. MIP TV is a very big deal. It looks like next year it might be an even bigger deal if there's a TV festival running alongside. Yeah, more of which later.
0: Um, and But yeah, it's actually a nice change of, of scenery to be in the studio. Uh, producer Brad, we've just heard his... Uh, is will will be sadly departing at some point soon. Yeah, swapping, nice
1: swapping Tottenham Court Road for South Africa. But there you why, go. why would
0: you do that? Uh, he do, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's shaking his head. He's confused. Um, yeah. So it's nice to be uh, away from the desk for a few minutes. Um, you were a bit further away from a desk a couple of weeks back, Stuart, at uh, the
1: InTV Festival in Jerusalem. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. Once I managed to get through uh, immigration, getting in and out of Israel is is a challenge. Uh, it was a fantastic trip, actually, and, and thanks to Keshet for. For, uh, for laying that on. Lots of studio executives, lots of programming people. I think really the the kind of the, the noisiest session was when Jeff Zucker, who's the guy that runs CNN um, in the US and around the world. Formerly of NBC Universal. Exactly. Uh, and kind of the guy that put Donald Trump on air, stood up. And I think people were wondering if he was going, or you know, to what extent he was going to talk about the Trump CNN situation directly, or whether he was kind of going to, you know, tread lightly around it. Uh, suffice to say, he he took it on absolutely head on. Um, he he really he said it's a dangerous time for journalism, for media. Uh, he said U.S. politicians, uh, you know, neglecting their responsibilities with a, with you know some notable exceptions. One of the other things that in TV I think that was interesting, uh, not least in light of what has happened, was. David Abraham, speaking about Channel 4. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: you'd interviewed David Abraham over there, right? And we're talking about he's the the CEO of Channel 4, has been since, I think, 2010. There have been... Rumours, certainly there were rumours before you spoke to him for a few months that he might be looking to, you know, at some point seek out of that, that position and something else. Um, you know, seven years is a long time to run any broadcaster and that that came to pass. Bit weird how it actually did. Um, there's someone over at the Channel 4 press office, I imagine, is being strung up. A tweet went out with the partial press release announcing his departure Um, And that was picked up on by journalists who immediately, you know, broke the story. And um, they had no choice but to confirm that 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 was the case.
1: In terms of programming, he seems to have done a good job. But I guess that job, because it's a public service broadcaster, there's a real political dimension as well. You see last year he was fighting very hard. Uh, when John Whittingdale, the UK Culture Secretary, was talking about privatisation, seemed to kind of get through that, and now there's talk about a move to the Midlands, which, you know, he clearly is, is very much against. So it's, it's a it's a really, really tough job, and he wants to go back to the commercial sector. And I think looking at what he says... Um, on stage and elsewhere it wouldn't be a surprise to see him at some kind of digital sort of you know one of those newer types of, of content business he previously worked at UK TV
0: uh, ran that, that multi-channel broadcaster for, for a quite long time. And, you know, one of his focuses there was to uh, look at data and to look at how he could modernise the kind of traditional broadcaster. And he did very similar things at Channel 4. Uh, he was the guy who uh, coined that term data is the new oil. And Channel 4 very much are... You know, very hot on getting data of of their their viewers and their audience, which is fair enough. Um, so, I, I, my guess is that he'll go into some sort of data focused startup, or he'll he'll look to do something in that space.
1: And in fact, talking about numbers and data uh, at NTV, David Abraham was was very upfront talking about all four and some of the registration numbers and how they're using that to to kind of take on some of the, some of the social networks which are in turn moving into video.
0: Now let's move on to the top five news stories that uh, have come up over the last couple of weeks on tbivision.com up top, a story that broke a few days ago, so I say it broke, in fact I should say Stuart broke the story, that Vimeo um, is making a renewed push uh, into original content, it's made a, a number of hires from, uh, one from Paramount, one from Hulu and one from Bun and Murray, so top of these, uh, these hires is Alana Mayo, who's uh, been named Head of Original Development, she joins from Paramount Pictures, which is the Viacom film studio, she's been working on production over there and she's worked it's Fox in the past. Child Childers, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, is coming over from Bunny Murray, the US Banerjee Group production company. She works in digital media uh, and she'll be working in content development at Vimeo. And Kelly Miller uh, is coming in on the buying side. So she's going to be director of content acquisitions. And, and you understand that she's got deals lined up already in,
1: in that space. Yeah, that's right. And I think if you talk to people selling programming, when they talk about digital platforms, I just noticed in recent months, suddenly they'll start talking about YouTube Red and they will start talking about Vimeo. You know, Vimeo is another player there in terms of being a buyer. But I think they're kind of gearing up to launch their own SVOD service. It's not going to be Netflix because, you know, as with almost any other service in the world, they don't have $6 billion to spend on content. So it's going to be cheaper and smaller, but they want originals and they want to co-produce and they want to acquire shows. So... For content companies, it's just it's just good news. Yeah, it's a win-win for broadcasters. It's more competition.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, interesting talking about Netflix's domination of, of that part of the world. We wrote up a report from uh, our, our friends over at Parrot Analytics, and it was uh, it was their sort of year-long report of uh, demand for digital originals. And they looked at where that demand was and. Virtually every territory they, they've mentioned in this report, and you're talking US, UK, Mexico, uh, a number of other big territories, um, for, it was about 80% of all demand in virtually every territory was for Netflix shows, right? So you can see how much of the market they already have, how far ahead of the game they
1: are. So I mean, this, this week was interesting to see uh, some of the hires that Netflix made because, as they've done with everything else in the, you know, TV, film, content world they kind of go in, poach some of the the big names from the traditional players and I guess going to get a job at netflix is a pretty interesting proposition now it's kind of like you know it's cool in the same way as working at google or apple
0: yeah yeah exactly i think um people there's there's an air of mystique about it isn't there that um that definitely prevails and they have now brought on scott stuber who is if you are a film exec clearly a very big name um i think i'm sure most people in the the content world and the entertainment world know him anyway he was basically expected to be or likely to be. Uh, the guy that um, replaced Brad Gray at Paramount Pictures as Paramount again, but has decided not to go for that job and instead take a kind of studio-focused role at Netflix, um, which has been the big disruptor in movies in the
1: last five years. And in, in a rare example of someone being poached from Netflix, we also saw Sean Carey, didn't we, go from being, I think, VP of Global TV at Netflix over to iFlix, which is uh, you know a, a rival streaming service. In, in Asia? And, in Asia, yes. Um,
0: yeah, and there's a kind of, there's a, a touch of uh, Shorten-Frauder to see, you know, someone leaving Netflix rather than uh, joining them. And, uh, you know, he, so he's going to go over there uh, and, and run their content. iFlix is a sort of Asian-focused SVOD service looking to take their, their operation wider. Again, you know, they're, they're probably... Unlikely to be the new Netflix in, in the next five years but they certainly can carve out a piece of, of the market you've
1: got, so you've got iFlix you've got IC Flix, there's actually a service called NetWix you kind of wonder how these companies are basically uh, where, do, where do they get their branding from <laughs> um, <laughs> you mentioned Paramount it's also there's been a real stream of Viacom news as Bob Backish kind of attempts to turn that company round there was big Viacom news this week wasn't it Jesse and I know you wrote about um, Mike Armstrong yeah, so uh, so Michael Armstrong's sort of been
0: on the up and up at Viacom for a while now. Uh, fair to say that he has his name comes up in sort of big uh, big roles and the big kind of initiatives that Viacom have pushed he's, over he's the a last rising, few years. Rising star Certainly there, a rising right? star. Fair, fair to to describe him that way. Um, for a while, he's been launching BET and Spike internationally. That's been kind of his focus for the last few years. Uh, launched Spike in the UK about two years ago, three years ago, something like that. And uh, he's now got a new position, and uh, And listen to how sexy this sounds. In fact, he'll be Executive VP and General Manager of Revenue and Emerging Brands. How about that? That's a big business card right there. Uh, in effect, this means that he'll be uh, rolling out uh, those channels, BET, Spike, Paramount Channel, You know, some confusion as to whether what what will happen to the Spike brand because it's it's it won't exist in the U.S. relatively soon. It's being replaced by the Paramount Network, which is separate to the Paramount Channel, which is a movie-focused channel internationally. Um, But it seems that Spike will continue as an international brand, uh, certainly from from what I can understand. It's coming out of Viacom. And, but he's also taking on international sales. So he's taking on oversight uh, of both affiliate and program sales. So we'll see him in the grand. Any executive worth his salt must uh, must pay their dues at the grand at some point. So yeah, and this is all in the context of uh, Bob Backish uh, coming in as CEO, which we've talked about quite a lot now. Uh, he's continuing to make these big moves and these big calls, putting you know, his own team in place. And, uh, and yeah, another interesting one. We'll, we'll see how that goes other stories that have been pushing the dial for us in the last uh, last couple of weeks Stuart, you wrote a story about img's continued push into premium scripted
1: yeah we said that uh, i think a couple of weeks ago we said that they were about to make a hire and this week they brought on laura andrews from uh, bbc worldwide she was in their new york office i mean what's significant here is that they are clearly very well funded they want to do more in terms of scripted. They want to do the distribution piece as well. They they did a great job the Night Manager. They've got Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency as well. Um, so someone else, yet another player who wants to be very heavily involved in premium TV drama, I guess with the kind of WME connection as well, perhaps in a slightly different way because they can bring, you know, they have, Connections with talents and, and writers and such like, and can perhaps package and set things up. But uh, yeah, another another player at the table. Yep.
0: Yeah. and uh, the final of the five that we're bringing to you this week on the news front uh, so I got wind of a departure at Warner Brothers international television production uh, and that was of Leslie Davies who's been within the Warner group uh, initially through Shed and then at Warner Brothers for some time now um, she worked on their international production effectively a flying producer going in and working on the shows that Warner sells into local territories
1: and there's this- been a, a stack of change there is this part of that story it just seems that you know sometimes certain companies are in the news for a few weeks running and the, the that's right yeah the um,
0: dots. Uh, well, well I think what, what's been going on at Warner Brothers is a shift to bring what were the kind of shed media assets so you're thinking about things like 2020 and and uh, and Walter Wall and, and some other companies basically closer to the US so and, and the kind of the bigger Warner Brothers group. So a few years back, Shed was rebranded to the Warner Brothers TV UK production group. I think I've got that right. Apologies if I haven't. But and now all of those companies, instead of going through Claire Hungate and Nick Emerson, who left recently, they're going through Ronald Hoes, who is the executive VP of uh, WBITVP. Um, so it looks like you know there's there is consolidation. Uh, certainly, uh, my sources over there uh, were talking about how this was unfortunately uh, the the the. the, the the situation with, with Leslie Davies came about because what they call their creative oversight and support teams, uh, so these are all to do with local production, uh, were coming together and it basically meant that there was overlap. So, so that is, that's part
1: of it. Certainly it's all to do with Warner Brothers changing that, that structure very slightly. Okay, we haven't got long left because we need to go and finish off our MIP TV content. Um, in terms of stuff we're doing for MIP, Jesse, I know this week I, I've seen that you've been on the phone to Sean Ryan... Mark Goffman, you know, you're, you're pulling together a big showrunner piece.
0: Yeah, so um, I have a theory that the models of, of showrunning and the models of how big scripted dramas are coming together around the world uh, are sort of changing a little bit. So the U.S. model, which is very showrunner focused, so that is the person who sits in the middle uh, of of the production. They make all the big decisions. They they lead the writers' room. They are kind of the they are the embodiment of the show. Uh, it's not something that you see in Europe as much, um, but now you are starting to see some of those elements certainly permeating into into European production as the kind of number of scripted shows uh, get, gets bigger and bigger. And uh, so I've just been having a look into, you know, where we are in terms of the US coming over to Europe, European sort of auteurism going into US production. So you're thinking about sort of how Noah Hawley has been given, you know, complete freedom to write uh, Fargo. You know, it's very unusual for for an American show. That sort of thing. Um, So there's going to be a nice piece in in our TBI scripted magazine and and you'll be able to read that online if you
1: don't get a print copy. And then... I think you also sat down with the boss of BBC Studios, which is, I mean, this, it's good timing in terms of having that conversation. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I had, a, I was uh, down at New Broadcasting House, I or should maybe I should say up at New Broadcasting House. I was on the seventh floor there, directly in their creative hub to interview Mark Lindsay, the director of BBC Studios. Yeah, I mean, we're talking a couple of... At the moment, we're talking a couple of weeks before BBC Studios becomes an official commercial uh, subsidiary of the BBC. This is like the first time it's ever happened. Um, the BBC has never been a, a commercial business before outside of its international uh, money-making arm, BBC Worldwide. Um, but this is going to basically change the the structure of how the BBC works and how the BBC produces. Um, so, yeah, Mark Lindsay was, was really... Keen to talk about the the fact that he that this change is all about creativity uh, and it's all drummed towards attracting you know top level talent into the BBC. Uh, I don't think it, we're talking about them going out and splashing you know uh, fifty million dollars on production companies, but you're talking about bringing in high level executives and working with the execs they've already got. Obviously, there's you know there's there's a hell of a lot of questions around what's going on there, and you know it is it a good idea or not? No one really knows at the moment.
1: Although worldwide does continue to splash the cash on production companies. Yeah, absolutely. I think the worldwide is a, a slightly different case. Of course. Yeah, and I've been speaking to Paul Telegdi and Meredith R, who uh, run the unscripted piece of NBC, the US network. Um, so I'm running the session at MIP TV with those guys and. I think it's going to be really good," he says. Touching Wood, because <laughs> they've just launched a new reality unscripted division that Meredith runs. They've got some massive hits. The Voice is still doing really good business for them. They've got a new show called The Wall. Um, they've got America's Got Talent, and and I think the issue for them was that they're really doing the numbers, and NBC has kind of turned itself around. It was really in quite a, a difficult place, and is now you know riding high in terms of the US networks. Um, The issue being they don't own any of those shows, so I think they want to start bringing stuff through, through their own studio. And we don't know for sure yet, but having chatted to them this week, I think there's going to be a couple at least of really big, interesting, noisy... unscripted shows with big name talent attached that they're going to be able to talk about so really looking forward to that and that's uh, uh 520 on the monday is that
0: right 520 on the monday in the the big room good stuff good stuff looking forward to mip tv now um, which is the well mip doc is the 1st uh, and the 2nd of april I'll be hosting a session uh, called Revamping Factual Storytelling, and we're going to have the likes of uh, Kim Schillinglaw, the ex BBC Two boss, who's now director of Factual uh, at Endemol Shine Group, uh, on that, just talking about new ways to to uh, create factual programming and drum up interest. And you know, in, in the light of things like uh, Planet Earth 2, there's certainly renewed interest around that. And that'll be on Sunday, uh, 4 pm, if you happen. To be at MIPDOC, do come down to that. And you're also hosting a Eurodata session. Yeah,
1: th- those guys um, based in France, actually expanding into the UK. They they bought Taped and they recently, Uh they kind of do a you know a state of the union piece. They've got lots of fantastic data, stats, analysis, and they kind of stand up and. I think at the beginning of the week really kind of just give some some genuinely interesting insights into how the business is developing and yeah I'm, I'm kind of presenting that and, and setting those guys up so looking forward to doing that as well basically looking forward to getting our issue finished and, and getting down to can
0: I think we should uh, we should probably get back to the magazine so uh, for now uh, I'll, I'll say goodbye
1: goodbye